got Triple B's in the building. Big baller brand supports the NBA buzz and the inside buzz. We with you, man. Triple B style. Ten-year NBA veteran Ryan Hollins returns to Inside Buzz for episode 38 and his third appearance on the show to talk about his new career, the color commentator for the Houston Rockets, and how crazy of potential this team has. I'm Mikey Domagala, and in this interview, I'll ask the former ESPN analyst everything about the new gig, including what's it like to be a part of viral moments like when Jalen Green puts somebody on a poster or Kevin Porter Jr. hits a game-winning shot. You'll hear Ryan behind the mic enhancing the moment, making it even more viral than it can be because of his reaction. Look at Jalen rising up over the top. We knew at some point he was going to get a body, and he got a body right there. Jalen Green going upstairs. Oh, my goodness. Ryan, episode 38 of Inside Buzz, your third appearance here on the show. Welcome back. Man, I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me. So your 10-year NBA career, then you turn to being an ESPN analyst. The big three comes calling, you're in that, you're dominating that. Now, you're back in basketball in a different way. Broadcaster, color commentator for the Houston Rockets. Tell me how that all came about. Man, it was a blessing. Um, AT&T reached out to me, um, wanted to know if I'd be interested. I was like, of course I'd be interested. You know, that, that's one of the coolest opportunities you could have. Um, interview process was long, but it went well. And, uh, you know, I've kind of been living the dream ever since. One of the best quotes I've ever read from you in an interview with The Athletic, quote unquote, I work like the intern. You need some coffee, I'll go get it. And the intern got that shot and ran with it. It's the last sentence for me, Ryan. Is that every situation in your career? You got the shot and you didn't let it slip by. You took it and ran with it. Yeah, I feel like that. I, I do. Um, and when I say I work like the intern, um, I was also working in broadcasting or trying to get my feet wet in broadcasting, doing things with ESPN and Fox while I was actually playing in the NBA. And I was doing hours of radio for ESPN. I was doing a lot of stuff. And I just was under the assumption that, hey, you know, when I finish playing basketball, you know, there are going to be jobs lined up for me. People are going to be looking for me. And there was nobody looking for me. So then I just said, man, I have to do any and everything I can do to get an opportunity and you know I just approached those opportunities like my last you know I, w I went in for radio with a suit and tie on <laughs> you know <laughs> my first times they're like it's radio you didn't have to dress like that I was like yes I did like it's, that's important for me and if I was asked to do anything uh, I did it you know I asked for advice I did all those all those little things you know I got told a million a million times before I got told yes so for me I would always just ask myself all right if you got a shot what would you do with it if you had a shot to call this game or you had a shot to go on this show, um, you know, what, what would you do? You know, if you, if you go on and tomorrow they give you that call, are you going to go and, and be great or are you just going to be there? So I would also hold myself accountable to say, you know, what, what, what would I do? What would I bring different to the show? Why would I make them call me back? And for me, that's why when I say when I got my shot, I ran with it. And there are a couple of times where I would just come on to be interviewed on a show. See, as a player coming over, you don't understand. There's a difference between me interviewing you, you being a guest appearance on the show, and then you actually hosting a show. So I had to work from kind of doing these like amazing interviews, you know, just check it out. How do you feel to actually being a part of shows because I came with that type of, of content or mindset uh, to, to these different opportunities. You're doing great with it. And of course, the Houston Rockets community I see on Twitter, on social media, they're falling in love with you, you and your calls. Now, specifically, say Jalen Green throws a poster dunk down like he has this season. 
What's it like calling that in the moment? And also, what's it like going home and seeing that viral moment with your voice behind it, say on my page, NBA Buzzer, viral on social media? Man, it's humbling. It, it, dude, it is really humbling. And I think the fun part is working on my partner, Craig Ackerman. He's as excited as I am. We're really fans of the team. We're excited for the team. We're riding with the guys. So sometimes we just have a, a natural reaction. And I'm just sitting there watching the game with, with, with my boy, with my friend, you know. And um, when it happens, you know, you kind of let, let it breathe, let Craig say what he's going to say, and then I'll hop in. And sometimes there's, you know, Jalen will make a play or KJ or somebody that would be so breathtaking that, like, we're like, oh, my God, like, stop it. Like, what, what just happened? Like, those are my real, like, Mikey, you know me. Like, those are my real genuine reactions. And I think that's why, you know, the fans are kind of vibe with it because they're like, he just said what I'm saying at home. Like, you know, it's not buttoned up. It's always not maybe as professional, but it's like he's saying what we're saying at home. So I think that's the cool part. And then when you actually hear your voice or something travel from one of these clips, for one, it's all about the guys. It's all about them. But for me and Craig, it's cool to be a part of the process. And Craig doesn't mind sharing some of those moments because for him, that's a lot of him jumping on the first call and then me piggybacking or, or jumping in or ad-libbing with him. But it's become so natural to us that we're just flowing with it and enjoying the game. Yeah, and, and I know what you mean as a color commentator. I did color for the LIU Sharks basketball team my senior and junior year of college alongside my buddy Matt Weinstein. Got to give him a shout-out real quick. But the point I bring him up is we were friends in college. We rode the train together. Now... You know, it's like we're chilling as friends, like you said, you and Craig. So how did you develop that chemistry when you got hired with Craig? Did you speak to him before? Did you kind of do some some lesson planning, so to speak? This is how it's going to go and stuff like that? You know, it's funny, man. As I had the opportunity, I actually reached out to Craig. We hopped on a phone call. You know, I joked with him. He's big time. He was actually at the airport when I was calling, like, boarding the plane. I'm like, man, this guy, this guy is something else, man. Um, but we always, you know, kind of kept in contact. Um, I'm appreciative that, you know, before he knew me, he's like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll like this opportunity with Hollins and, you know, figure it out. But, you know, those relationships come in time. And I think what's funny to see is like, although we had different career paths, different people, we're very similar. We're, we're family men. We're extremely conservative. You know, we're cheap. We're, we're ba really boring, basic guys <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, but we love basketball. You know, we're competitive editors too so I think it's just cool to see kind of how much that me and him have in common you know on and off the mic you know so I think that's really just helped our coordination and then you know he's been like a, the veteran of the team he's been with the Rockets forever man like literally and um just kind of helping me say the ropes hey we'll meet here this time we'll do this hey man do you have your all your stuff set for what we have to do so you know he'll kind of you know reach out like a a hand and you know help me out in situations so you know I appreciate it the preparation for the job, that's something I remember when I was doing color. It's like you got to get everything in order, get all the names correct, different topics you're covering. Is there any similarities to a basketball player in the preparation you need to do for broadcasting? Yeah, um, the, the prep is a lot. But for me, since the games happen so fast, you know, Craig has a tough prep. My prep comes with, you know, I like to get in the trenches. So I'll go and I have one of those memories like, you know, from me playing basketball, once I've seen you play, I've seen your moves, I see the sets that are run for you, I can pick that up as a scouting report. I don't need to go through the paper element of it. Once I see it and watch it, it's stuck with me forever. 
Um, so that's like kind of a skill that I, I can take over as transferable, you know, as a player and knowing a scouting report. And as a role player, I had to know everybody's scouting report. I had to know all the plays or else what point are you good in being here? I couldn't get away with not knowing the plays. I wasn't that good. So I had to know all the little things. So that skill helps me. And then I'll get on the court. I'll talk to the assistant coaches. Um, I'll talk with the fans. I'll talk with the players. I'll talk with, you know, head coach Steven Silas. I'll talk with, you know, the, the front office. I'll ask questions so that, you know, the things that I'm saying, I'm not just throwing, you know, throwing stuff in the thin air, you know. I'm getting some basis behind my statements. I'm getting an understanding of the players, how they feel, what they're thinking. So, you know, when I articulate something in the game, I'm giving some real genuine feedback or a real perspective from them and what they're trying to accomplish. So for me, that's big. I like to get into the trenches and do that type of work. So, you know, the game will be at seven. I get to the game at four o'clock, seven or seven thirty. I get to the game at four o'clock. And I just sit and fill out the arena. I talk to fans. The first guy on the court, I'm there before the first guy's on the court shooting. And I just, well, I'll watch routines. I'll watch somebody shoot. I'll watch them do stuff. So, you know, hey, like I'm in the trenches here with you and I'm seeing the stuff that's going on. And Ryan, what's your favorite call of the season of your own off the top of your head? Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian got disciplined by the team. Um, it was a really tough time for Kevin because you kind of, we all knew the things he had went through in Cleveland. And he's probably saying in his mind, what is going on? Is this, is this thing happening again? What, I know I made a mistake. What is this, you know? And um, he gets back his first game against Washington and coach is like, yo, one, four flat. He hits the game winner. And um, for me, that, that moment was bigger than basketball. And I think for him seeing that, for him having that happen, um, it was it was pure gold. I couldn't be happier for him. And not that, you know, Kevin hadn't learned his lesson or had to go through stuff, but I just feel like basketball is is kind of like the safe haven for a ball player. No matter what you're going through, you get on the court, you kind of forget everything else. And um, to me, like I said, that moment was bigger than basketball. I couldn't be happier for him. And I know that, you know, he's a heck of a player, but, you know, we all have our journeys that we go through. But for me, that was that was a fun one that I kind of wanted to let breathe. And it was, hey, like, how do you acknowledge everything that's going on and be happy? And I was just like, hey, this guy's been through a lot. I'm, I'm happy for him. Let's embrace this moment with him and, and let, let him have it. Let him have it and know that he's going to grow. Uh, he's going to grow from it. But you just, it's immense stress that gets put on you. And I can only imagine a mountain being moved from his shoulders. Another couple on the broadcast side, and then we're going to touch on KPJ and all those young guns. Um, for you, games 1 through 15 to, say, 67 to 82, was there a big difference in your calling? Did you really learn a lot as the season went on? Huge difference. I had to learn Craig. He's the, he's the point guard. So, you know, if I'm not setting a good screen or, you know, I'm asking for the ball too early, you know, I can throw his rhythm off. So, you know, I think we really try to stay out of each other's way to um, just make sure we were respectful to each other and the broadcast was good. And then we started learning each other's timing. You know, Craig could kind of finish some of my sentences. Like he started picking up that, that really quick. And me and Craig are really super detail routine and detail oriented. So we started getting each other's routines. Hey, I'm doing this. I'm going to be here. You're going to be here. Like, you know, you, you pick that up and like, you know, I think that's when we started flowing It's just like, this dude's excited. Let's roll with this. This is what he's going to do. He started to feel what I was going to be or going to say before it happened. 
you know, and I think we obviously always had a deep respect for each other, but it's just rolling with each other um, is the big part. And then that conversation comes and then, you know, I, he can feel when I got something on my chest, he can feel when I got, he has something on his chest and we just, we, we, we roll with it. So I think that was just the biggest difference is the chemistry. And then, you know, it helps when the team is getting better. They're giving us those exciting moments. We're getting those close games. So now, you know, we get to really dive into games differently. You know, everything that we do is predicated around the players. Their successes, their failures, we can't outshine what they do. Um, and I think that that's the big part that some people miss in broadcasting. It's not, it's never been about us. It's all about those kids on the floor playing. And what broadcaster inspired you, maybe as a kid, during your career, or, you know, who you studied before you got the job? Mark Jackson. Mark is a big reason I got into the business. Um, he used to come down to UCLA's, play pickup with us with all the pros. And, uh, you know, Mark has always been an amazing guy and a mentor to me. And I remind his basketball career and then, you know, kind of when he did. And it's funny, like, I thought I was just going to go on and be Mark Jackson. But I feel like listening to Mark, he has a, a way or flair of talking and being himself. And he never throws a guy under the bus. But he can say that a guy can be better. He knows how to explain stuff. And he has that connection with people. But Mark has always been good with me. I still look up to him to this day. And, you know, he knows how I feel about his work and the inspiration that he's given me. Um, and, and it's funny, like I said, I thought I was going to be Mark Jackson, like right off the top, like, yeah, yeah, here's the opportunity, right? Just go and do that. So um, I think it's really, really cool that I, I've tried to be a jack. I'm, I'm a jack of all trades when it comes to broadcasting. I had to learn different formats and how to do studio, how to do games, how to do interviews, how to do all these different things. And now everything's kind of come back full circle. And, um, you know, maybe I thought it was going to be studio work for me, but now it's, uh, you know, doing the games. So I think that's just really, really cool for me. To stay on the Mark Jackson topic quick, I'm sure you know what I'm going to ask you. Is it time for him to go back to coaching? It is. It is. I mean, it's long overdue. I don't think there's ever a question of Mark's um, expertise in coaching. He has a knack for doing that. You know, I think just maybe just other stuff. But I think if you need to win and you need to get the job done, uh, Mark Jackson is your man. And I think if he had another year in Golden State, they definitely would have won the championship. They had to kept rolling. But he did. He, he laid that foundation and the foundation is hardest to do because when you fail, you know where you fall back to, you fall back to your foundation. When you have a good foundation, you can pick up and keep building, you know, but that foundation was set for Mark um, for those guys and the champions that they became. And I, I saw him build that foundation in Golden State firsthand. So there's not a question if Mark Jackson can do it or if he's the man uh, for some of these jobs. Early in the year, Jalen Green, a little inconsistent, still putting up, you know, good point numbers, but the field goal percentage was low. End of the season, a couple weeks ago, um, finished the season six of his last seven games, dropping 30-plus points. What did you see change in his game? He learned how to use his speed. He learned how to use his athleticism. He understood that these guys in the league can't keep up with him. And then he locked in. And, you know, I could tell he's been watching a ton of film. He started playing winning basketball. You know, he committed himself defensively, you know, going in and getting in a rebound, pushing the ball on the floor you know, being in help on the weak side and, and, and tagging a cutter, you know, the speed of the game is so fast and you've, you've never seen it before. It's like, boom, boom, I'm guarding my man. Boom. I got to make a split second decision. So Jalen began to anticipate the things that were going to happen on the floor. You know, he got the answers to the test where before you just get thrown out there, man, ain't too many people, unless you're Shaq that can just play in the NBA off of being big and on field. So on field. So Jalen started to figure that out. He got comfortable. And the biggest thing I'll leave you with, Jalen was confident. Confidence is king. Jalen became confident. 
We all see that clip, clip, clip where he says, I'm a bucket. I realize I'm a bucket. He is, man, because you can't guard him. And Jalen started to let his natural instincts go once he got caught up to kind of the speed of the game. And I don't expect him to only get even more dangerous because he's going to get stronger. He's going to come in comfortable. And you got to think about the second half of the season, Mikey, it's not seeing guys for your first time. You're seeing them two, three, four times in a row. So you're like, all right, I know how they're going to guard me. I know what they're going to do. And uh, he, he took off, man. And what is his ceiling? And who's his NBA comparison, past or present? It's tough because I'm intrigued at what Jalen's ceiling is. I think, you know, there are a number of us that try to cap him off and say, you know what he would be. And it was always like, nah, he's going to be a good NBA player. You know, you can see the stuff he's doing on the floor. And then I think his success surprised everybody the way it happened and how fast it happened and like the the turnaround because it wasn't that he just scored, you know, he had big numbers early and then he dropped off. It was 15 points consistently, 20 points consistently, 25 points. Then it was 30 balls like, yo, I know how to go get 30 and he ends with a 40. So it was like, this is here to stay. He's figured something out. So I've heard ceiling as high as Kobe Bryant. I can't rule that out. Because he's motivated, he's driven, he's angry when he makes mistakes. Definitely different body type than Kobe, different player. Um, but he has that kind of like, like he has that it, like I believe I'm that guy mentality. He doesn't have that like me, role player, standard league mentality, you know, just be an all-star. He kind of has like I'm that guy mentality in his mind. That's why I don't know where to rule or mark where he'll be. And Lois, oh, he'll be he's a good he's a good three and D player right now. If you sit, man, just play defense, go sit in the corner, hit open shots and run the floor. He he's that right now. You you know what I'm saying? And, and he easily could have got discouraged and said, you know, I'm gonna stop putting the ball in the deck. It's not working well for me. You know, let me let me just kind of be a catch and shoot guy. But he kept working on his handle, kept putting the ball on the floor, kept, you know, started to use his speed to his advantage. And I think the most dangerous thing with Jalen, and when I talk to him, it's just like you know, using your speed is the scary part. I'm not, early on, he was trying to go through guys, you know, straight line drive, and the referees were letting people get handsy with him, getting a little physical with him. But when he just started running to spots, which isn't for everybody, dribbling to a spot, you know, cutting a guy off, going to a certain spot, using his speed, knowing in transition, I've seen guys have two and three steps on Jalen, and Jalen outrun them with the ball in his hands. Now it's dangerous, and then, you know, you add on the strength that he's only he's only going to get stronger. That's the most exciting. He's actually going to get stronger. Like it's it, it's scary, dude. I, I'm seriously scary. And he's the, I think he's the best kept secret out of Houston in the entire league. Jalen Green is the best kept secret out of Houston in the entire league because a lot of people don't really know what he's doing. They just see a couple of the highlights. Mm-hmm. And what can you say about his running mate, Kevin Porter Jr., still in that same realm um, with age potential? What's his ceiling and who's his comparison? <sighs> Kevin Porter has a skill set that's a top five, top 10 skill set in the league. You know, how many guys can shoot the three off the bounce, get you 10 plus assists, great size, can switch and guard multiple positions, and can genuinely like play make? He has those tools. Um, I know he gets a lot of James Harden comparisons for a lefty. Um, having a ball in his hands, the monster stat lights, he dropped a 50 ball before he gets that, but he's a little different than James. He's a little more in the lane, uh, 
maybe not as calculated as James, but I think he's starting, he's like figuring things out, if that makes sense. So I think James may be, James Harden may be the closest comparison, but he's just a little more unique because he uses a, uh, I don't know what to put my finger on, man, because he's got that handle, he's figuring it out, and he can pass. And I think he just got to figure out how to be himself, you know. And when he comes to peace with his game, down the stretch, he really came to peace with his game. He wasn't worrying about the mistakes. He wasn't worrying about the non-calls. He was just playing good basketball. But Kevin's one of the more intriguing and exciting players that I've ever seen in my life. I, 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 James is the most similar because they're lefty, because they're size. But he's not really like James. He's, he's different. He's, he's, he's different than James. How can I not bring up the other guys? Shangun, Josh Christopher, KJ Martin, Deshaun Tate. Now, if you want to say KPJ and Green are the prime meat of a steak, I mean, the other guys' steak is still intriguing with Shangun and those guys. What can you say about them? Upright Shangun um, is getting double teamed on catch as a rookie. And he's been working with Hakeem Olajuwon, if I could add. <laughs> And you can put the ball in his hands. He can pass. He can facilitate offense. He's more athletic than you think. Uh, he's dumped on a bunch of guys this year. Like, he's one of the more biggest surprises that I don't think anyone saw. And I talked with a lot of front office execs, and they go, Shingun is good. We dropped the ball. Shingun is good. We dropped the ball. Like, Shingun is good. Like, I kept hearing that, hey, we like him. And he doesn't give you the look. He doesn't pass the all-airport team. You know, Mikey, the all-airport team, you saw a team walking through the airport. You kind of point out the big, strong guy. Oh, he's your star player. The confident guy. Oh, that's your point guard. You know, the all-airport team. You've never seen you play basketball. Shingun's not hitting you with the all-airport team. But he gets on the floor, and he's a dog, man. And he is freakish how good that he is right now and what he's going to be. And, like, he just makes the high IQ plays where, hey, man, I felt the double team coming. I spun off to the baseline. All right, I anticipated the guy was going to turn his back, and I'm, I'm dropping a bounce pass backdoor layup to Josh Christopher. You know, like, he makes those plays, and he's in tune with his teammates, so he builds chemistry. You know, he's a, he's a big point guard. You know, so that's where those Nikola Jokic comparisons come from. I see between Jokic and Mark Gasol, in my mind, and Mark was a little more on the block when he played, um, but Mark, I played with Mark. Mark could step out, shoot threes, do do all that stuff, and just the high IQ that I'm gonna I'm gonna really read how you're playing me, and then I'm gonna beat you the way that you're playing me. In this summer, Ryan, what do you want the Rockets to accomplish in the draft and in free agency? What do they need in the draft, and what kind of veteran do you, do they need to kind of help the young guys? Man, and this is purely my opinion, not that of the the Houston Rockets. Um, I think the beauty is they can draft the right pick in the top five. Um, I don't think they're going to be stuck to one guy. Sometimes those picks are already chosen for you. But I think the beauty of it is you can interview these kids and you can get a guy who fits best, maybe personality-wise, playing-wise um, with the team, or that, hey, maybe a guy that just complements what's already happening. There's really cool stuff going on. You may not – if you get a really dominant player, you kind of – to get the most out of them, you may have to um, – put certain things or tweak things that make him be comfortable. Maybe you get a guy who just fits with, you already got a good thing going, you get someone who fits. I'm not sure who that is. I haven't been in the war room watching film and doing a lot of that stuff. Um, 
and I think that in this offseason, you know, you get those veterans that can bring it, can play, because sometimes you learn best from another veteran on the floor. Like a coach can tell you all he wants, but until you see a guy who can go, you're not going to really learn uh, the same way. Um, so I'm excited with that from veterans. I think Schroeder was great. Schroeder was great. Um, Schroeder, excuse me, was amazing as a veteran. Eric Gordon, you can't say enough about what he brought to the table. Even though John didn't play, man, he was integral behind the scenes, talking to those guys, getting in their ear, being a good veteran. John is just a good dude. Um, so I think along the lines that we kind of already have um, is, is big. And then, you know, you don't want to step on the toes of the young guys if they become that dude next year or the year after, you know. But I don't think there's anybody in the way of that. You know, I think there's a good complement of, of talent and veteran leadership and, and youth. And the vets are important because there's unwritten rules in the league that those vets would teach to the younger guys. So you just touched on John Wall. And obviously you were part of the Rockets organization. I'm not going to ask what they should do with him, trade him, buy him out, whatever. How was he with the young guys? You just touched on it, but is there something you recall him telling a Jalen Green, a Kevin Porter Jr., really in a timeout? You look into the left and you see him coaching them up. How has he been with them? He's been amazing. I, I, I played with John at Washington, and I know, like, John loves basketball. It ain't about a money amount or anything. Like, John loves basketball. So he's naturally going to mentor those guys uh, while he's on the floor. And I've seen him, you know, pulling guys aside. You know, I think Kevin and Jalen obviously trying to find their way in the league and there's things that they don't some there's certain plays that aren't acceptable or like they have to make. And I know John will point those things out to them. And, you know, John, people don't know how amazing a passer John is. So John has great vision and he's always been selfless. He's always wanted somebody else to kind of shine before he has. He, he doesn't mind getting 20 or 30 assists. So just kind of stepping in the vision of, hey, get the big man the ball. Hey, you know, get up and down the floor. And I haven't heard him say it myself, but I just know that, you know, he's gives them enough of that competitive spirit. They know John can play. They've seen him in practice. And then kind of, you know, showing them, you know, telling them what to do and guiding them through the games, keeping them confident, keeping them in, in, uh, uh, intrigued in the game and, you know, kind of letting them, you know, being a, that, that balance because that's what veterans do because you know what it was like to be a young player or you can see what's going on. You've been a player. You've been an ESPN analyst. Here you are broadcasting. Still only 37. So extremely impressive what you've done. Have you looked past broadcasting and wanted something more? What else do you want in your career? I plan on getting old and gray in Houston, dude. I plan on getting old and gray in Houston and watching these guys. Like, I want to be Calvin Murphy. You, you know what I'm saying? Bill Worrell. Like, I want to I want to be one of those guys. I, don't, I love basketball. It's giving me that fix, that feel. I get to hear the starting lineup. I get there before the game. I still have that vibe. I still have that energy. And um, I don't I don't see myself doing anything else, man. Maybe something with the family. Maybe, you know, there's some summertime stuff that I can do. But for me, this is gold, dude. I don't need I'm good. I'm, I'm you know, it's funny. People think I'm this loud, crazy guy that needs to be in front and center everything. That's not me. I'm more so this is my lane, man. Being behind the scenes, complimenting other guys. Uh, that's that's what I've been for the most more of my life than um, being opinionated. You know, if that makes sense. So um, I'm loving it, man. I, I'm enjoying it. KD, LeBron out, Giannis, Booker, all the new Jacks in. Who's winning the title this season? You know, Mikey, I've always been hard-pressed to give you a, a name, a take. I just think with Devin Booker's hamstring and Middleton, you know, kind of having to work his way back, that's changed the whole landscape, you know. Um, I will give you 
I do like Golden State. I like their experience. Only thing is I don't think Denver tested them, so it's kind of hard to say who they are, even though I like what they've done. Um, but I'm going to give you a team to look out for as a dark horse. My dark horse team um, is the Dallas Mavericks. They defend, defense travels. Um, they got some help. Spencer Dinwiddie can put the ball in the hole, you know, and kind of help Luca out. That's and put the, you know, kind of create off the bounce. It's something they hadn't had. And Luca may be the best closer in basketball right now. And we've seen that. And I think the fact that they defend affords them the ability to take pressure off of Luca. And Dinwiddie takes pressure off of Luca. And Brunson is an absolute dog, like dog with the, with the WG on it, Mikey. Like not a dog, like he's a dog, WG. So I think my dark horse is Dallas, but obviously I was looking towards the two favorites just because they look like they look like two teams on a mission, but who could see those injuries coming? And we know Luke is going to be on a mission. But one small question I have for you, Ryan. If Dallas matches up with Milwaukee, if Dallas matches up with Phoenix, how are they going to stop Giannis and DeAndre Ayton? Ayton just had a terrific first round series. So how are they going to stop a big like that? The troubles are inside. But the one thing Jason Kidd does is they really defend as a unit. They make you plays. And, you know, it, it may be switching and making eight and a half to score points. You know, there's different things going on. But I played with Jason. Jason was an excellent defender, a mastermind, a leader behind the scenes. So nothing that's happening is surprising to me. But they're going to do it by committee. They're not going to just give, give anything easy up. And I think that's something that Dallas hadn't had in a very long time. And that they can go out and grind games with you in a slower-paced game actually fits Luka because he can execute in the half court. You know, he can do those things and then he's got some help. So I do agree inside that presence is something that they will struggle with. You know, we're going to point something out, but ultimately it's going to be a team effort, you know, that they'll have to come out and, and play with on the court. All right, Ryan, thanks again for coming on episode 38 of Inside Buzz. Always appreciate it. And I appreciate the support on NBA Buzz, Inside Buzz, and you staying in my comment section. I love when I see your comments. Anytime, brother. You know, I believe in what you're doing. You're one of the good guys in the, in the business. And uh, I think the future is yours, bro. Keep it up, man. Like, seriously, you can't you cannot beat hard work and you can't cheat it. And you aren't cheating the game, my man. Nothing but success to you, bro.